<laughs> right. So. Yeah, I mean, we we're, we adapt quickly in this in, in our world. We don't. You don't get anywhere. Yeah, we, by not changing. We definitely start a lot of things and have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, we do that frequently. It's like weekly. You just got to learn, right? Everybody starts somewhere. You're like a live DJ on the on the show. Yeah, dude. We actually we actually do have these mini turntables that I ha- I like dug out and. Um, We'll see if we can get like a little, like maybe like a live brunch podcast. That'd be sick. Just like DJ John <laughs> buzzing all those things from Montana. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here at the uh, Fiddler Club in Philadelphia in this uh, fishbowl conference room. We got glass on either side of us. What's behind us? A Schuylkill, right? Yeah. And then the, we got, what's 30th that's Street 30th Street Station. That's a cool spot. It's a nice place. It's a good view over here. Francis. So we got Francis Magubai. I think you know him from episode 13. When we were just getting started out, he was gracious enough to come on and uh, talk about the, the world ending uh, early la- <laughs> early last year. You had just got back from L.A. And you it was like were, April, May or whatever. Yeah, and then we have Colin. I'm, I'm not going to pronounce his last name. Yerkeson. Yerkeson. Where is that from? Czechoslovakia. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a mutt. I'm from all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we all are. Yeah. Except for Francis. Well, you have to talk into the microphone, though. Francis is like, uh, you pull it towards your face. Lean back and you can pull He's it. like a mile away. <laughs> he forgot he was on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we are on a podcast. Yeah, and then we also have uh, Gilmar, uh, our producer, uh, lurking in the background with his camera. <laughs> so... You, uh, we, we've been trying to link up with Colin for a while now. You popped up on my Instagram a while ago and I was like, what the fuck is this dude up to? He's fucking doing yeah. meditation and breathing exercises in the early morning. MRM every day. <laughs> MRM. I was like, oh man, this guy's getting it. I need, I need to know. I need to talk to him. You got motivated a little, huh? Yeah. What motivated me? Yeah. The uh, MRM, like seeing it. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm just intrigued by people usually. And I'm just, usually when someone's trying to like, for Francis, for instance, like he was putting himself out there all the time being like, Hey, this is what I'm about. Do business with me. Don't do business with me. Um, sure. so like when you were coming out, like, and just be like, Hey, this is what I'm about, you know? And I was like, oh, this is kind of intriguing. Yeah. I was just interested. Honestly, I was like, this, this guy is, seems like he's a young 20 something. How old are you? 24. 24. Yep. Yeah. So what? I guess what intrigued me was just like the the quality of the video that you put together initially. Mm-hmm. And then when I see something that's like quality of that, either like you don't do that by accident. Yeah. Usually. So I was like, okay, he's putting some thought behind this. Like For sure. what, what, what do you do that you're making a video? Like, Wait, that? can, what, I, can I add something in though? I, yeah. I feel like it's kind of like sliding into a girl's DM, but it's like not that creepy. Cause it's like guy to guy. Dude, but we've talked about we've talked about this before. You have the podcast. Like we could get people to come in and do a podcast that normally if I was like, yo, bro, I like your business. Let's uh let's have a beer. You'd be like, like my business. And that was <laughs> fucking weird. But I'm like, hey, we have a podcast. Why don't you come tell all of our listeners about yourself? And then selfishly, I you know, then I know you. It helped. Yeah. And that's one of the main reasons we decided to go mobile with our uh podcast. So if you're Watching out there, you can kind of see we set it up here pretty quick. What well, didn't take that long? Yeah, the first mobile podcast, Francis That's came. It. Francis did come through for us though and make us look good. We could, <laughs> yeah. we could have been we like cool in a spot. doctor's office or something like that, <laughs> some dark room. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, but so we, you guys met how? How did you guys meet? Because we met 
Colin through Francis, basically. Yeah, so we met a uh, long time ago, like seven years ago, at a backyard event for Vima, which is a network marketing company. Um, it actually ended up being like, what, a scam? It was a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Um, so everyone that I met, I literally was like 17 at the time. Francis was like three years older than me. Um, so, you know, I saw him join and I just followed him on Instagram from that event. My right. dad didn't let me join and I was under 18. So I don't even think I could have joined the MLM company. So I just watched him for the next like three, four years. I went to University of Arizona. He graduated from UDEL. And then I saw him do his whole thing where he like was about to go into finance and then quit all that. Yeah. And then started the whole path with real estate in Philly. And I was like, that's dope. Like that's, that's different. I haven't seen anyone what, do like that. that he just completely pivoted, just completely pivoted. And it was like, you know, created his own path. And like, I'm all about that. So then I reached out to him once he started making a name or not even making a name. I just saw him grinding in Philly on real estate. And I was like, yo, I, I love what you're doing. Um, and then we linked up, I came and visited him in Philly. And then I was like, you know, looking into getting into real estate and then, you know, ended up doing different things. But you know, that made me realize that, you know, Francis, had my interest in, you know, his branding, him putting himself out there. I like that about him. So that's why I reached out. We've yeah. Gone, gone a long way since that. So it sounds like, you know, I guess you moved to Philly because of Francis. Literally. Yeah. So that's really I, cool. I, uh, and you were calling me out for being gay with Colin here. You literally breaking man hearts over here. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say in the meantime though, uh, the whole time, uh, Colin was at um, University of Arizona. I'm just taking a look at like all his partying pictures, and I'm like, "Damn, dude, I'm freaking grinding right now." But Colin's having a freaking amazing time. Yeah, dude, I was I was right there with you. A lot of my I, I even commuted to school early on, and a lot of my friends had like apartments and stuff down on Temple or Penn's campus, and you know, you'd go to the parties on the weekend and be like, "Wait, you guys." You guys do this every night? Yes. It's like Tuesday, this is Tuesday too? Like So mine was a little different. I was at University of Arizona, which is like the most notorious party school. Way different, world. I will. Oh my admit. God. So like I'm in the sun, Francis is here, miserable as shit in January, you know, grinding on real estate and he's watching me pop bottles on a Wednesday with like models and shit. So at the pool, at the pool at the of pool, your condo. At the pool. So he had something that, uh, or I had, no, what? He had something that I wanted and I had something he wanted. Yeah, the grass so, is always green. Yeah. He Shoot. wanted the partying. I wanted the bit, like the real estate. Well, I mean, looking know. back though, Francis is probably pretty happy that he, oh, he now did he's, the grind, right? Like, yeah, he's grinding. His now, he's partying as and as now, a, now he's partying as a successful businessman, so which is way better. <laughs> <laughs> we never really got to like party, like single together. Cause of course, like right when he gets all the travel stuff and we start like traveling together, I get a girlfriend and mm -hmm. then like, you know, it just, you know, we're still having a great time. Though. Yeah. If you don't follow Francis on Instagram, he eats. Probably the best. You you probably eat the best out of anyone in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Every night, steak. Facts. <laughs> you eat out so much, you had the uh, the yeah. famous Steven Star like restaurant chain like do a promotion with you. That's how much you eat out. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. You, you know, so like I guess there there's an argument to be made like when, when parents and stuff are like, are you eating out too much? Like save your money. You'd be like, I'm professional. Eat. I'm gonna be professional at this. Damn, I missed my calling, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have a video on my YouTube channel. It's like how I've made myself and clients hundreds of thousands of dollars by just eating out 15 times a week. <laughs> yeah. That's so much. That's That's I, awesome. I, I actually have an example of um, when I grabbed, um, I think it was lunch or like dinner here with uh, one of my good friends who's also another real estate agent in the city. And then a couple days after, she has a um, brownstone that comes for sale in 
um, Francisville, and it's on like a 30 by 200 lot. Yeah. And most people are taking a look, oh, Brownstone for $1.25 million in Francisville, overpriced. But then you could build, you know, another 12 units in the rear yard as of right. So it ended up being a really, really good deal for one of my clients. That's Just awesome. from eating out. Just from eating out. Dude, what did you have that night? I don't remember. And that's what's going to be really interesting with real estate, especially moving forward, is like a lot of the connections and networking happen from like events. And like you, you do, you've adapted and you've done that. But I know a lot of guys that have, you know, they used to get all their business from like big parties and networking and they just completely have closed down and like are having a hard time like reaching out. But you, you, there's definitely something to be said about eating out as much as you do. Um, it like when you can share an hour or two hours, just like this podcast, we can share like two hours together. Like by the end of that two hours, you know, you really get to know that person. You know what I mean? Right. hundred percent. hundred percent. Not as good as golf, but well, golf is interesting because you could really, really suck at it. We're going to figure then, out how to do the podcast and like on golf, on golf, golf, golf courses. That'd Dude, be, that'd be fucking sweet. Wouldn't that'd it be epic? Just, just like driving like, around with just all we would need is like a little battery pack. That's the future. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Just, just no, just connect into the battery of the golf cart, and then just edit it down into like a shorter ver- like episode from the whole thing. And you can just like very quickly see everybody like digress in the day. It's like yeah, it just gets wasted. <laughs> but, so, so Colin, tell us like a little bit like what you do now. Yeah. Uh, so right now, I coach over three hundred people um, how to leverage credit. Okay. Um, so I started a business called Credit Class back in November of two thousand nineteen. And my whole goal was to help people obtain freedom leveraging credit. So we do that by um, leveraging credit to build income and leveraging credit to travel for free. Um, So that's what it started out as. And that was just a course I put out. And then now I've grown it to a coaching program. Um, So I coach high-level entrepreneurs, people with high incomes that have good credit but don't know how to utilize it to its fullest potential. So we dive into business credit, um, and we obtain lines of 0% business credit cards. So you have interest rates of 0% for 12 months, you know, on that intro rate. Um, We fund them anywhere from like thirty dollars to $100,000 on average per client, and then we teach them what to do with that money. What do you do with the bank's money to make yourself more money? Um, we invest in assets, and this is the best time in the world right now to invest in assets because, you know, quantitative easing is happening every single day. Trillions are being pumped uh, by the Fed and the central banks, and all asset prices are going up. The richer are getting richer. The poor is getting poorer. If you position yourself and you take advantage of the credit and the debt that they're pumping, you can have access to it and literally use that as a vehicle to get into these assets. Dang. I wish I had a mic drop button. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best I can do. You know, like dropping bombs. <laughs> there you go. That was yeah. Um, I have a siren, like a nuke siren, Perfect. but we don't let that go. Like every time we let it go, like we like one of our eardrums. Oh, you man. ever hear uh, Brad Lee dropping bombs? No. You got to look up his podcast. He does. He has a uh, a whole podcast called Dropping Bombs, and every time someone says something, you boom. Yeah. yeah. I know who so, Brad. I know who so Brad you, you've, is. So you've brought that model to like Philadelphia and and just roll, like are all your clients client, all your clients aren't from Philly, are no, they? No, They're no, worldwide. It's, it's worldwide. That's I awesome. Mean, America, because U.S. Right. credit. Okay. Uh, I do have in my lower ticket uh, credit class, which is like the travel one. It's nine ninety seven. Thirty eight video modules teaching you how to leverage credit, build income, and travel. That has people all around the world because people want to know how to travel for free. And a lot of the travel hacks that I taught and teach don't even require credit. 
it's like more insider stuff that you can literally do just by going on the internet, reaching out to different employees at airlines and hotels like Marriott and Hilton, and you can get access to certain things that allow you to stay like 50 to 80% off hotels, uh, get automatic suite upgrades, eat for free, fly for free. Is, that why, Francis, is this why Francis uh, travels so much? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every weekend, the he, guy's he, going on a fucking trip. He got he got everything that I did. Yeah, no, my yeah. wife will listen to this, and I'm sure like I'll see that 987. But yeah, so I mean, my clients are really like, I have a lot from Philly because of this guy right here. Right. Um, you know, just by being around him, I've had so many meetings in Philadelphia. Um, and then I have another business too, which is around e-commerce. It's called Leverage Investments. Um, and that's where we scale uh, e-commerce stores for our clients, Amazon and Walmart. We predominantly focus on Walmart right now just because it's a better opportunity. Um, and we scale their stores up to six figures a month passively in sales. Um, operating at 20 to 30% profit margin. And that's a drop ship business? Drop shipping automation. So we use um, basically virtual assistants um, in the U.S. and overseas to manage the stores, you know, pick the products, do the fulfillment, customer service, and, uh, you know, we automate it for the client. And then what, what responsibilities on, like, your client's end? That's Credit. Just putting up the credit number. So, I mean, there's an initial investment, but once that's made, you just need credit to scale the store. So like with drop shipping, if you're a third-party seller on Walmart or Amazon, you have to front the products when someone buys a product from your store. Mm. And then two weeks later, after the, the customer has received the product, they'll pay you out. So you got to front it. So you need credit for that. You can do it with cash, but like you don't want to risk your own money. Right. You're, you have purchase protection with credit cards. You obviously get the cash uh, back advantage. You get points. I feel like I need to pay for this info. Like that was, that's, that's pretty good. So you take like the 0% credit card, 0% and Amex charge card. So like, you know, you could ask Francis, like over the past four years, you've been using, you know, your, your Amex business platinum and that thing scales up spending power. Um, so the more you use it in your line of business, the more they learn your spending habits and the more they scale your, your spending power up. So like with an Isn't e-commerce that, store, we, we, we have that. We started at a mere 5,000. I think now we're, how many Over points? a couple hundred thousand. We have a million points. Like we yeah. don't we we don't know what to do. We just started buying like GoPros and stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, we can't travel I can, anymore. I could teach you guys the best redemptions. GoPro is definitely not a good redemption. Well, you're getting like a R, penny a point. No yeah. REI. We got like a one for one trade in. Like okay. that was good. One like for the, one's all right. That's how we did when it. When you and do then, travel, you can literally get like seven for one. Oh shit! So like you, I just booked a fourteen thousand dollar first class flight on Emirates to Dubai from JFK, um, and it's a fourteen thousand dollar flight. I paid 180 bucks on taxes and 130,000 MR points. That's it. Oh shit, we can go to Dubai a bunch, dude. Yeah. I mean, I'm and, gonna, I'm going to Dubai. I don't know where you're going. And, here, here, let's do it, and here's the thing. John's going to be like, "Make sure you take all the GoPros and you keep them charged. Have fun in Dubai." <laughs> yeah, literally, I get, I bet you I bet you we get back to the office tomorrow morning and John'll be like, "Uh, oh, so you're uh, you're going to go on a business trip next month." And take all the GoPros with you. That'd be great. And I was like, oh, yeah. God. But the thing with that is, if you guys did it right now, let's say you got a million points, right? And you go on Amex uh, Membership Rewards Portal and you cash in for travel. On the travel redemption website on uh, Membership Rewards, it'll cost 1.1 million points. The way you get it to 100,000 points is transferring those points to partners. So you got to know the partner game. You know, they're partners with so many different airlines and those different partners give you the redemption value that you want. Have you ever, there's, there's a guy that, um, 
The points like, guy? The points guy. This sounds fucking ridiculous. No, but he, he <laughs> set up like a whole thing where he would travel. The more he traveled, the more money he made. The more money he made, the more he traveled. Yeah. But he also set up like a basically a travel agency out of it. Like I, that's kind of like where it sounds like it could be heading, like a whole yeah, I mean, booking. Like, like you a, could just, like you could a just lifestyle book. thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's as far as you want it to go. Like for me, I, I was traveling the world for during the whole pandemic. I took over like 70 flights. I stayed in 140 Marriott's. Um, and then it got to the point where like I like business more. Like I love sure. traveling. But like you said, the more you travel, the more money you make. And like I realized that, holy shit, like it's not even about traveling anymore. Like I've created so much opportunity for myself just from getting out there in the world and having people see me travel and do all this. Just so much has opened up. So I needed to come to Philadelphia, buy an asset and just settle down, down a for bit. a little and, and get my businesses scaled up to the point. So then I can go back. And what, travel. what I find really interesting is like all of our credit cards are tied to our names personally. Mm. So like there's any point in time where we may have like three to four hundred thousand out on credit and then. Every month it gets paid down, but like they'll run like a credit check, like in between that, the credit the credit scores could go for anywhere from like six ten all the way up to like seven like ninety eight hundred. Yeah, in the matter of like thirty days, like we have insane credit swings. Yeah, you guys need to get on business credit. You got to get off the personal because when you leave balances on your personal over the statement due date, now your balance your balance shows up and your utilization tanks. I think it's more like our purchasing buyer because we pay the balances all the way down every month. Yeah, I think it just has to do with like how much credit's available based on like what they've given us to like what the balance is for sure. And also you guys need to, to check, um, your, your purchasing power. Like you can do, you know, on Amex, you can click mm -hmm. like spending power, but are you guys talking about your credit scores or your scores going up and down? Yeah. Mine yeah. is. Yeah. That's because you're leaving balance. You're probably not paying it off five days before the statement is due. You need to pay it off five days before. Sometimes oh. it'll trigger. If you pay it off the same day, it might overlap and it'll read on the bureaus on, on FICO and, you know, TransUnion, Equifax and Experian will be reporting that, you know, you it have has a balance. Right. That's I think that's what it does. Screwed. So yep. five right. days before. Right. Hmm. Just set it up. All there you go. I thought, so I guess not like matters, I guess bag, bags of cash is not the way to do it. Wait, wait, <laughs> cash, cash is trash. Is it, is it your guys, um, like, all the stuff that you're buying from the GC firm, isn't that like in your business name though, in an LLC? It is, but we still, American Express still ties them personally to us. All, all that means is that like they would just put a judgment against you. Yeah. And then you have to, if we never paid, but we pay. So I, I thought that if you have it in your, um, in an LLC that it doesn't report to your personal credit. No, that's not true. That happens after you have no personal guarantee, but if you're applying for business credit and you're putting in your social, you're personal guaranteeing it with your social, which shows up on your personal credit. Mm -hmm. um, so if you default on a card or you miss a payment, mm -hmm. that derogatory moves right to your personal credit. The way to avoid that is after two years of having that account open, it now has built up sufficient history on the business side. Which we do, yeah. So it doesn't need a personal... Uh, so we can just call and ask them to remove that? You can not You can do that too. And you can also build business credit up without using personal at all, which takes longer. You need trade lines, you need net 15s, net 30s, and you can build that up over time. And then you can get approved literally without using a social at all. So you have no ties to it. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of... So effect. how do you set up a terrorist organization? <laughs> 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 no, so take us back to like, you're, so you're 24. Yeah. Um, what, like, what was the process from you? Like, what did you go to college for, finance? Uh, no, I went to college 
without even a major. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, I went to go to college to party at University of Arizona. Um, I knew I always wanted to make money and travel and stuff. And then when I got to Arizona, I just started traveling a lot more. I went to like Barcelona, went on spring break, met a bunch of rich people from California. I'm from New Jersey. So like, I've never seen that before. So that just opened my, my mind like crazy. Mm. Um, and then I was like, all right, I should probably do business because business is where money's at. Um, so I applied to my, uh, call my business college, Eller. And I got denied the first time. And then I uh, I was just like, this is probably not going to happen. My dad kept convincing me to do it again. Got in the second time, barely, by a thread. And I uh, did business management. It has nothing to do with anything I do. I didn't learn really anything. Um, yeah. It's usually yeah. the story. Yeah. So I then got... Uh, what, like, what, like, so, like, you graduated from business school and you were, like, you obviously weren't, like, hey, I'm going to help people travel for free. No, no. Yeah, I, just, uh, first thing I did was I just took any job I got. Um, you know, I, I knew maybe real estate. I knew, like, where the money was on the internet, stuff like that. But I needed to just get a job because I had debt. I had, like, 30K in student loans I had to pay off. Um, so I took a sales job at ADP, like, selling payroll. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it was outside sales, moved into an apartment, got a car, um, you know, just set my life up in a box and like pretty much screwed myself. And within the first month, I was like, I'm fucked. Like <laughs> I, I was making like 30, 38 grand a year on a salary. Um, you know, I had 30 K in loans. So I had monthly payments on that. I just bought a car. Um, I lived with the same kids I lived from college in my frat house now in this new environment work mode. And I was like, you know, getting drunk on the weekend, still continuing college, but hating my life every single day while I was working my job. So I was like, I got to get the hell out of this. Um, so from there, I, uh, you know, I just started, you know, every day was just on Instagram, like looking at shit, people doing things that I wanted to do. And I was like, this is where it's at. Like people are literally making a lie for themselves on the internet. I need to do this. So I invested in my personal brand. Um, I bought celebrity giveaways, which basics basically is when a celebrity shouts you out and you grow a lot of followers all at once. So I just invested in that right away. I took out a personal loan because I had decent credit because I had a job, I had income. Took out $20,000 on a personal loan. I invested in that. Um, so I grew my Instagram. And then I also invested in the Shopify automation thing that said they were going to give me passive income. Got scammed, 20 grand. So oh, like, shit. and this was already after I quit my job. So I invested in my brand, got it up to like 30K. I was starting to go hard on Instagram, like promoting growth. Like, hey, I can grow your business and grow your brand. And I was like, I got the Shopify thing. It's going to make me enough money. Boom, gone. Got so ripped. now I'm 50K in debt. Got the student <laughs> loans and I got that. And, and not giving I, up. But Wait, yeah. what was the Shopify business? Shopify um, is basically like you start an online e-commerce business and you run ads on Facebook. So it's, it's different. Like you, it's not Amazon or Walmart where you can just use their platform, no advertisements. It's like, I paid someone to run ads for me on this product that they said they were going to scale for me. And it just, you know, the guy was just a schmuck and he's screwed over like hundreds of people. I had no idea, obviously naive, you know, found him in my area, just bought into the whole thing. So yeah, as you said, I didn't give up. I had my back against the wall. I just quit. I was like two weeks out. And I had my Instagram at like 30K followers already. I already told people, you know, like I made the leap. Like, so that was it, man. I mean, I think that happening to me is what made me get into credit because that's when I figured out how to remove things off my credit file. I defaulted on that loan. Right. And then I learned the process of using the Fair Credit Reporting Act to get that off. And then a light bulb went in my head like, holy shit, like, you know, I'm not the only one in debt. There's 
tons of people out there that have late payments, student loans, all this shit that they need off their file to make moves. Why don't I just educate people? Like I'm a, you know, I was in college, very social guy. Like it's probably someone that they could relate to. And then I just started my brand off credit. And that was it. <laughs> Two mic drops. <laughs> that's awesome. You're clear, that's, that's, clearly passionate. That's with, a with shotgun drop. And uh, that's awesome. Like that's, that's pretty cool. Like where do you see it going from here? Like what's the next steps for you? Yeah. So right Boat, now. Boats and hose. Uh, boats and hose and pop and <laughs> bottles. Luckily, luckily I got out of that phase because I partied for four years in college. Did, you know, yeah. way too many drugs. Girl, the whole thing, dude. I was just out of control. And <laughs> I think I, I got to the point where right when I started making a lot of money, I was like, damn, like, you know, I, I got to do this the right way. Like, I can't be that kid. You know, earlier we were saying, young 20s, you make 500K, you're, you're fucking up. And that's all going to be gone. I was like, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to be like like 35-year-old fucking still partying. No, shit, absolutely not. I barely, you know, I, I still like to go out, have dinners and shit. But, you know, I got a girlfriend now. Like, I'm, I'm really about what I do. Like, I'm super passionate and dedicated to my work. Um, and right now, man, I Bitcoin is like my my new thing. So we can get into that. Um, we're not getting that on Did that you know podcast, the new we SEC secretary? Yeah, um, Janet for, Yellen. Uh, no, oh, she's, she's oh, the oh. treasury. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget the name, but but he's a Bitcoin advocate. He's a Bitcoin. He yeah. t- he taught Bitcoin at a couple like MIT universities. Yes, I was watching his course last night. Actually, Correct. they give it out. So for he's free. now the new head of the SEC, and they're yeah. they're talking about like a huge, Bitcoin huge e- move ETF. But I did research like Bitcoin is like a brand. It's like a Nike, but like you may want to invest in like the shoe business, like the pull you know, blockchain currency business might is going to be bigger than Bitcoin. Ethereum. Ethereum, That's what it is. Ethereum is basically the app store for DeFi, decentralized finance, how Bitcoin, you know, and all these other DeFi apps run on. It's like oil for, you know, what we use today. It helps things run. So people do say, and I, I believe too, if Ethereum does work, there's a lot more risk behind it right now. It's such an earlier project than Bitcoin. Um, but if it works, I think it'll have a bigger, bigger market cap. And I'm invested in Ethereum too. I think the biggest headwinds is going to be governments aren't going to want to give up the their centralized bank. For sure. It's and, it's a battle against the banks right But now. the blockchain makes 100%. You don't need someone, like, telling you that there's the, the money in there. Like, the money is there. And, yeah, and, but we have the best, like, politically and, like, geopolitically, like, we have the best recipe right now for blockchain currencies to exist. Yeah. Because you have... You have alternatives like you have you have corporations and individuals who own corporations with more power than the government. Yeah. If the government's like, oh hey, you can't use U.S. dollars anymore, they're like, uh, okay, cool, that's easy. Thanks, thanks for helping us out. Yeah. Like it's almost like it's going to be a self. In my opinion, it'll be a self fulfilling prophecy because all those fuckheads in Washington who don't even know what Facebook is are yeah. going to like make a whole bunch of maneuvers and and enact policy and. It's going to do the complete thing that everybody in the blockchain like currency movement is going to want them to do. And they're going to think it's not like they're going to be like, we're going to screw you guys. And we're everybody's going to be like, screw us. Come on. That's how I think it's going to lay out. I just think everything's going decentralized, everything. Mm. So every single application, banks, whatever we use right now, we're all using centralized applications, institutions. It's all someone's controlling all the power. And that's all going to leave. And it's all going to be for the people. Everything's going towards the people. Hopefully. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, long it's time. gonna be a very long battle. Hard. Whether battle. it's like twenty years from now or one hundred and twenty years. But from I now. do have faith in the people and in in technology. And if it's gonna work, it's gonna work, and it's gonna change the world. 
Yeah, I mean, some people are going to start buying homes with Bitcoin, and then you're going to negotiate how much Bitcoin you're putting down. You already can. And in it's like, look, like I'm, I'll give you two Bitcoin. You're like, whoa, that's only worth twenty grand. You'd be like, yeah, but it could be worth a lot more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Francis will be making a YouTube video, It'll be like, how I got a done a deal done for two Bitcoin that was a million Fran- dollar Francis valuation. Start, <laughs> yeah, he's going to start taking Bitcoin. All the tag, all the YouTube tags will be like Francis. Francis Bitcoin, Francis Maggie about Bitcoin. <laughs> Didn't someone just get paid in Bitcoin? Yeah, so there's football players. Uh, what's his name? Russ, Russell? I have no idea. Russell Wilson? No, not Russell Wilson. Another one. I think he's like a linebacker or something. I might be wrong, but he got paid um, in Bitcoin using this application called Strike. This guy, Jack Mahlers, owns this company called Strike, where basically companies and people can pay now, and it converts it into Bitcoin without them having to buy the Bitcoin for you. And then his currency could naturally grow way faster than, like, the U.S. dollar. That's what he's hoping Which is not going to grow at all. Appreciation. Yeah, the dollar is basically plummeting into Bitcoin right now. It's real time going opposite ways. Like, Bitcoin's going up, dollar's going down. Do you think that has anything to do, though, with just, like, the speculative nature of people to, like, move their money from a one place that they think is insecure. It's like, oh my God, the house could burn on, you know, catch on fire. I'm going to move the money from the mattress to the basement. Yeah. And it's like, well, if your house falls the fuck down and burns in the fire, like, so it's kind of like- 100%. I mean, people right now are all freaking out because where the fuck do we put our money to store our value? If you put it in your savings account in actual money form, you're losing to inflation. It inflates 2% a year. You know, the dollar devaluing. It's being printed every single day. Their goal right now and with the stimulus packages and all that is to devalue the dollar, which makes assets go up in price. They're going to get caught at some point because inflation is going to skyrocket. It's going to implode. They're going to have to contract. Something's going to happen. We don't understand how long it's going to take or... but. It's not going to end well. Every single uh, fiat currency in in all all of human history has failed. Every single one. If you look back in history, if it's not backed, which it's not, we don't back our shit with anything. On the nineteen seventy one, it was taken off the gold standard by Nixon, and since that point, we have just got addicted to money printing. We're like literally heroin addicts, addicting addicted to the fix. You know who keeps loaning to us? China. You know why? Because we just keep they loan us money, we pay them back interest on the money. And we buy all their shit. Dude, I think China has a lot to do with a lot of things in the U.S. Right oh, now sure. That we don't even really know about. But they have massive control. And I think that's like the new country that is going to you know, be the highest power. Yeah, well, China, one would argue every, they everybody's, already are. everybody's yeah, talking about exactly. how China just came off like a positive economic year despite the coronavirus. But like if you started from zero and you put a little work in and you move 2%, like... Yeah, you moved 2%, but you started from zero. So, like, their economy really wasn't doing that great pre-corona. Yeah, this is probably so the best like, thing that could have happened. So, like, it kind of, like, it all kind of... 2020, the, the world, like, kind of fell together for China to kind of, like... So, when do you think do the it? House of Cards, like, 20 years, 30 years, when the whole card thing falls down? No, I think I think Bitcoin will be the next global reserve currency in the next two decades. Wow. Yeah. I see, yeah. I mean, just 20 years. Think about if it works, it's, yeah. If it, if it fails, it goes to zero, and there's going to be another alternative that we're going to have to find. But if sure. Bitcoin does end up working, I think 10 to 20 years max. China, just, do you know, China, I just saw an article, they just shut down, like, massive Bitcoin farms. Which, explain that to me, because you, you probably have a lot of listeners, like, what the fuck's a Bitcoin? Yeah. But they harvest them off of these servers by 
binary code. Like I don't yeah, yeah. really so, understand. Like so, how you basically, it. Bitcoin is all um, on the blockchain. So basically, there's miners, and miners get rewarded for solving proof of work for Bitcoin. So like they okay. have to prove uh, blocks on the transactions by humans being made. If I sent you a Bitcoin, every single person on the Bitcoin network. You have to have a certain amount of yeses. Yes, this this transaction that has just been made is true and accurate, and that's why it's the most powerful thing. It's all in the anonymous. World. It's right? all anonymous. You can't. You don't. You could see. You know the the address wallet, but you can't sure. see names or anything like that. Right. So if it's wrong, and if I'm trying to give you more Bitcoin than I actually have in my wallet, all the other miners just say this is wrong. Cancel. So, so the miners are basically acting as they're just big server farms that are confirming with other server farms with the more that the the more transactions they confirm they get what rewarded for like a bitcoin yes yeah, so basically when uh, a miner solves a problem you get rewarded a certain amount of bitcoin when it first started out it was 50 bitcoin for okay. every 10 minutes when a miner won the problem solving you get 50 bitcoin every 4 years it goes into a halving so four years later, it got halved to 25 Bitcoin. That's when we first experienced our supply shock and we experienced our first bull run because supply literally got cut in half. There's only 21 million Bitcoin ever going to be in circulation. It's hard-coded. You can't create more like money. You can print unlimited. But with Bitcoin, 21 million ever, and every four years, the supply gets cut in half that's being produced. So the only thing for it to do is demand go up in price. That's like that dude that created that community in uh, California that you had to own at least like one or two Bitcoin before yeah. you could move in. Yeah. Because if it, there's only 21 million in the world and the world currency is, you know, 10 trillion or 100 trillion or whatever, how big that economy is at that time. Yeah. Each Bitcoin could be worth, you know, a billion dollars. People say at the maximum, $50 million of Bitcoin. Holy shit. The real estate. <laughs> Francis is buying Bitcoin. Francis is like, how many Bitcoins you got? The real, the real estate market right now in total is about $100 trillion. Gold's market cap is $10 trillion. Bitcoin is under a trillion right now. So it's a baby. Right, right. now we're, you know, we're, we're, hit, we're at a little dip. Uh, we're around $600 billion market cap. What's the price of a Bitcoin now? Is it somewhere between like 9 and 20 k it's at thirty thousand. It's like thirty-two thousand right oh, now. Shit, that's gone up. A, it was at nine k at the beginning oh, of the year. It was at forty-one thousand a couple weeks ago. It went down to thirty-two thousand. Shit, I might be buying some Bitcoin. Yeah, you should. So <laughs> right now, um, I feel like I need to own a Bitcoin. But anyway, FOMO. just just to give you, I actually an, bought two Bitcoin for seven hundred bucks, but yeah, that's sick. But he sold them. <laughs> but so so does a lot of people. A lot of people sell. Um, but what's crazy about what you said? I would um, if I buy a Bitcoin this week, I'm never giving it up. No, that's, we're gonna be have to buy like a half a bitcoin. That's the whole thing. You never want nah, to. Nah, man, sell. he's gonna tell us how we can zero. Can we trade in? <laughs> can we trade in the Amex points for I bitcoin? Can, I can get more into how you can leverage to get bitcoin. But real quick, back to what you said about like scarcity. Um, there's only 42 million millionaires in the world, and there's only 21 million bitcoin that will ever be created. Not even every millionaire in the world can own one freaking bitcoin. So if you think about that, that just like that for me blew my mind. Because like one, you know, hopefully we're all going to be millionaires here. And if you're not a millionaire with a Bitcoin and Bitcoin's going to be the next global reserve currency, are you really going to even be a millionaire anymore? Yeah, huh. we'll see. Inflation will evaporate. Like even if you're a low level owner of Bitcoin, if inflation hits you hard enough, you'll have you'll be forced to give up your Bitcoin to the people with the means in that transitionary phase, because there'll be like that tipping 
of like the US dollar or whatever the fiat currency it's competing against. And then what will happen is like when you hit that center shift, it'll be like who has means, like who has enough water to survive until their Bitcoin is valuable enough that people actually value it again? Or do you have enough dollars that you can like buy guns and water and resources to survive that transition as well? You actually don't have to do that. You could borrow against Bitcoin now. So like for me, instead of selling my Bitcoin, you never want to sell Bitcoin because you're taxed like crazy. It's basically treated as an asset. So short-term capital gains or long-term capital gains. If you sell under a year of holding, that's 40%. So you got to beat the market and you got to beat your tax bracket you're taxed at, which is impossible almost. So for me, I only buy and I only hold. And if I ever need to borrow money and use, you know, my literally 80% of my net worth is in Bitcoin right now. So I borrow against my Bitcoin holdings and they give me loans. I put up $200,000 worth of Bitcoin. I can borrow 100K like that. Deposit in one day. So like that's what and I And which, I guess, which banks do that? Like BlockFi. It's an online bank. Um, you can keep all of your Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, different coins in this online bank and they pay you interest. So traditional banks used to pay you interest for keeping money with them. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, You're even seeing negative interest rates now at some banks overseas. But with BlockFi, I keep my Bitcoin with them. They pay me 6% interest monthly on my Bitcoin. Wait, 6% interest monthly? 6% uh, Uh, annual annual yearly, but they pay out monthly, monthly. And they pay you out in Bitcoin. So you're getting paid out in an appreciating asset, and it compounds together. So I keep all my Bitcoin over there. It's not the claim safest to do because you're still using a third party. I'm using an online bank. A lot of people, you know, would recommend you go with a cold wallet, like a ledger, you know, where you have 100% ownership of your Bitcoin. There's no one else, uh, you know, like a third like, like party. Like a server or... Server, online. It's, well, it's like offline. It's, yeah, exactly. Like if you kept yours in Coinbase, something happened to Coinbase, all their servers got shut down or someone hacked it, you're lo- you could be screwed with Bitcoin. If you're holding all of it on there. So it's recommended if you have a lot of Bitcoin, get it off, get it in a cold wallet, put it in a safe in your home. You have private keys that are basically like 24 phrases that you have to put into it. And then uh, you'll you'll give that to like your friends and family or someone that you trust to basically hold those phrases for you in case you ever lose that that hardware. And then every time... Like, I always feel like I have these ideas and then two days later, somebody else comes along and it's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And it's like... That was our idea. Yeah, Andrew texted me uh, when Parler went down. Like, regardless of your, your politics or whatever, Parler shutting down, Andrew texted me. He's like, look, like, if they shut that down, maybe they could shut something down on a different side of whatever. They could just shut whatever down. He's like, maybe we just start, like, our own server farm, like, our own, like, servers, and, like, keep them locked up. And, you guys like, should have, back in, you know, 2013 or 14, mined Bitcoin. You guys could have had hundreds of millions of dollars, but you we'd be rolling rich. Dude, I'm sure I know enough Russians that I could get into some Bitcoin mining. So <laughs> right now, it's just, <laughs> it's so hard to mine Bitcoin right now because you need so much computing power. And power. And, and, and like actual power. Bitcoin power. is, you know, you're not getting rewarded 50 Bitcoin anymore. You're getting rewarded 6.25 now. So, so the, down. the so interest is... Interest in it in the or the incentive to is in, way less. Is lower. You have so it went from 50, 25, 12 and a half, 6.25 right so now, then three. Yep, and they just shut down now. The China factories they just shut down like a 1.7 mega, megawatt, million watt, like whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Did they shut that down because it wasn't beneficial for them to keep mining? China banned uh, a lot of places in China banned Bitcoin, and which I also, could, which I also said, they're afraid was afraid that because they're afraid the US dollar will go down and then they'll lose like the whole consumer thing. Dude, they can't control they're like, your afraid of, resources. Yeah, they're afraid that people get control. China wants total control of their people. And, and which is happens. the opposite here is like our country 
based upon capitalism, we accidentally give too much power to corporations. Not that I'm a, it, it, you know, it, sometimes it works, yeah. but when you have, so three companies, Apple, Amazon, and Google are yeah. like, like determining all of the things. If you took that recipe over into China and you could just take away their lifeblood or their money, I'd be, I'd be doing what China's doing. Yeah. So what do you think happens? Like, does that, I guess that's just going to further escalate the need to do Bitcoin. Yeah. So, I mean, right now we're at the start of a bull run. Uh, historically, you know, after I told you about the halving, when the supply gets cut in half, uh, within 180 to 200 days, we see a new top. And then we enter a bear market. When's the next halving? It already happened in May of 2020. So we're literally in a bull run right now. We've already hit 41K. We're in the beginning of the run. Exactly. We hit 41K. Minimum price projection for banks, analysts of, you know, very high caliber predict 100K of Bitcoin. In 2021, minimum. And then there's price projections uh, from Citibank. How do you buy a Bitcoin? 318 You go to like coin, coin I want to just be like, we're going to take a break right now. I'm yeah. going to call yeah, my I'm broker. I'm just thinking the same thing. It's like, maybe we should shut the podcast, like not release it for a couple of days. <laughs> buy some Bitcoin and then put this out there. But I, I know you're not the only one Would to be you, saying this. Were, you think we're that big of an influencer? To, we're not Dave Portnoy. <laughs> 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 this isn't Barstool Sports. He actually bought Bitcoin and he had weak hands and it basically was so volatile when he bought and he got shooken out. He sold and now his Bitcoin, they started a Twitter about it, what his Bitcoin is worth today. And he bought in it like, I think he bought $40,000 worth. Today it would be worth like 300 grand or something. <laughs> he was, he, they, I don't know if he still does the day trading, the Davy Day Trader. Yeah. But he was running stocks just because like he was online live. He's like, I'm going to buy Boeing, and like buy, 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 and then everybody watching him would buy, and then yeah. it would just pump the fucking stock. And he <laughs> stock run, but it wasn't like volume illegal. trading like that. It, so, but he had so many people, he had like a couple hundred thousand people trading with him. Yeah, um, crazy. That they, yeah, but if you're the one that's buying first, but that's what like that's what a lot of those day traders got. They do with like penny stocks. Like if you have a hundred grand and you dump it into a penny stock, yeah, pump it everybody up. else watching that penny stock the is volume. gonna think it's moving. So they're gonna dump their money in. So when you start when you, you send it up even first. higher, you first in, first out. Exactly. And that's what institutions are doing now with Bitcoin. If you look online, you see FUD, which is like fear. Um, and what the banks and institutions are doing is they're talking shit about Bitcoin, saying they have no interest in it, it's gonna go to zero. It plummets, they buy, and then two weeks later, Bitcoin's great, we love it, we're letting our investors invest into our fund. How like, do you buy Bitcoin? Like coin? He just tried to go to E-Trade, yeah. didn't you? So there's a... No. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the easiest way, um, which I don't recommend you do, is using Cash App, PayPal, or Robinhood. Um, the reason why I say that is because you can't move your Bitcoin off of those apps. So they want you to keep it on there and you just cash. So it what's out. the hard way, the right way to do it? The right way to do it. And it's not necessarily hard is Coinbase. Coinbase Pro, uh, Gemini, which is another exchange, uh, Binance US. Those are all exchanges. So they have, you know, all different kinds of crypto and Bitcoin. And you can make wire payments in. You could do ACH. Um, you could buy stable coins. Yeah, you want to buy Bitcoin today? Yeah, yeah, right. I'm, I'm going to buy one too. This is a great time yeah, to buy. You know, right what's now? actually what I why I think it's a great time to buy because I think the last record that you had to buy, and I think you bought like three coins or something or four coins for like thirty six grand a coin. Thirty six grand, yeah. And then didn't what did you buy another? Didn't you buy another like two hundred thousand dollars worth or something? So I bought. I mean, my most recent buys were like at. I'm not going to say the amount, but I bought at sixteen 
0.7 K, which was a great buy now if you look at the price. And then I bought in at 30, per unit. And then I bought in at 36 K per unit. Um, so, you know, it's already down at 32, but you can't always win. And I have a long trajectory. All my Bitcoin, dude, I will never sell. I'm just buying and holding forever. I will never sell. So it doesn't matter for me. And then you're making 6% on it. Making 6% in Bitcoin, which just adds to my stash. So over time... From BitFile or what it was? <laughs> uh, BlockFi. BlockFi. Daryl, my name's John Yo, Thomas. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get some <laughs> Bitcoin today. <laughs> Are you worried about them stealing your coins? Yeah, that? so it's it's a risk Yo. I'm taking um, just because who's behind it. You know, I've studied Bitcoin. I don't even study people anymore. I studied the institutions and the investors behind these different uh so Who's behind that apps. one? Um, Paul Tudor Jones. He's a very famous investor. He's behind it. Um, Anthony Pompliano, which is like the person who taught me everything about Bitcoin. You guys should look him up. He's an amazing. Do you think they're just going to steal people's Bitcoin when it becomes more viable? I don't. I don't. I mean, for for BlockFi to go down, you know, they would have to have. I don't even know how how it would happen, but I have I have belief in them, and that's a risk I'm willing to take to keep my money with them. And also because I don't like storing my Bitcoin on a ledger, I lose everything. So if I'm carrying around a little hard drive <laughs> with, you know, a ton of Bitcoin in there. So you're saying if you have that on your own ledger, you you could fucking steal your ledger and I got your Bitcoin now? <laughs> no, no, no. You got to know my phrases, too. You got to know my 24 phrases to get Yeah, in. the torture gets that out, usually. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You could do anything. But if I have it on, you know, a, a online application, I'm storing it with someone else um, that has, you know, a lot of safety features. Right. Then, you know, I'm putting my trust into them, which is what a lot of people do. We all do that with banks. Sure. So I'm just doing that, you know, already. on the Bitcoin. Yeah. On the Bitcoin. I mean, I guess that's the way banks will do that. I guess if banks start doing that, like main banks like Chase or. Yeah. Or JP Morgan, they start doing their own blockchain. Yes. Was it, I guess they tried yeah. a few I mean, years ago. They're going to turn into Blockbuster if they don't adapt. It, yeah. It's, but they're, it's too late for them. It should be what I what we all say in the Bitcoin community is buy Bitcoin, short the bankers. So short the banks. Why, why not Bitcoin. just put it in a safety? Why not put your little ledger in a safety deposit box? Do you trust them when Bitcoin goes to ten million? Trust yeah, the bankers. Well, when you find you find it, you find some like special guys that can you know put a, put together a team to like a, that like a bunker silo. I don't know. People get creative with it. Like if you want to invest, like people invest millions of dollars for their safety of their Bitcoin, like. People buy million dollar setups. I told you, dude. Multi key there's signatures. There's a whole we market. build. There's a whole market. We are builders. Yeah, you guys should check it out. Um, there's a lot of great resources. You should check it out. We could build you a fucking Bitcoin <laughs> safe <should>. right now. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's, let's do see. it. I'm talking heat seeking missiles, barracudas. All right. I like I like the animals. Like the seventy barracuda, the purple rain one. That's a card. No, we're not gonna block the door of the safe with a fucking with a cuda. I was talking like a dangerous animal. That'd be sick. A fish. A lion. Yeah. A lion protecting my Bitcoin. Rambo. Where is Rambo? He's over there on the Dude, he's asleep, dude. Looking adorable. Dude. Yeah, so baby Rambo. We snuck him in to the building. And by snuck him in, I mean they identified him pretty quickly and they were totally okay with it. Because he's, <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> they all get we're away. like, they're totally not going to let us in. John's going to just oh, scream well. Donald Trump and run out of the building. And <laughs> <laughs> dude. Yeah, so... That's awesome. Yeah. So Bitcoin's the future for you and just... Yeah, man. I think right now that's like my obsession. So I, so once you become like a multi-bajillionaire with Bitcoin, 
you sailing? Like, what are we doing? I mean, I think I just get more obsessed with the space and I get more involved in that community and build it up for the people, like education, getting people educated and moving the masses into it. Could store Bitcoin on Mars. Maybe, oh, dude, maybe Elon Musk is doing that. He's like, you want your Bitcoin safe? I'll shoot it to fucking moon. I I think fundamentally, though, I mean, as someone not knowing anything about Bitcoin, it makes more sense than the U.S. dollar because the U.S. dollar is not... It's, yeah, it's it's only contingent as yeah, it's but but that'll change when people like my dad aren't in charge anymore. Like once you once once our generation, it, it'll tip, it'll tip over, and then people will trust it. Just value, like Uber. but they're inflating it so much, they're pumping so much money in, they're pretending like it's not going down in value. But I think the whole thing's like a very fragile system right now. Like, oh, they know what they're doing is wrong. They just have no other answer. It's a short-term cure, and it works. Like people are happy when they get their twelve hundred dollars stimulus check, or now their fourteen hundred dollars stimulus check. It's literally a little short-term cure for the hangover. Yeah, we we were talking like it's a if they keep doing it on like a quarterly basis, right? They did it every six months. Now they're talking about putting another one. Oh yeah, and it keeps becoming a little more and more money. That's so many more people that are just going to depend on that, Mm -hmm. depend on that, Mm -hmm. and then eventually like. Hopefully that stops. What happens to wage workers now that we're basically debasing our own currency and their wages aren't going up? Okay, $15 in minimum wage. You think that's going to make a big deal when they're pumping trillions of dollars into the world right now? It's not. Every price is going to rise astronomically, including assets, which none of these people hold. Poor people don't hold any investable assets at all. None. We, you know, people that invest in real estate, gold, silver, Bitcoin, those people are all getting rich from the government. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, basically, I, I explained it to somebody the other day. It might have been my wife. I was like, well, I was upset because they didn't privatize, like, the Fannie, Fannie Mae debt mm. the, the way that the Trump administration had planned to. Mm. And I was upset by that because, like, well, that's just because you want to hold the debt. The government wants to hold the debt from all the mortgages so that they can continue to tell the banks, like, what to do. And that's great for us because you can keep interest rates low and we can keep buying stuff and buying more assets and things. But I was, like, thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what do all the people do when we own everything? Yeah. And I was just kind of like, why why is the government that's supposed to be serving the people doing things? I mean, I guess maybe they think they are doing something for the people and they just don't understand what they're doing. If they're that naive, but I think there's just a greater drive behind it. You know, I think there's more powerful people kind of. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't know. We really don't know, you know, how high up it goes and what their plans are. Do you think Trump's letter to Biden had that in there? Like wrote it on the letter, left him the letter in the drawer. They said it was very good. Like it was a good letter. Yeah. I wonder if he like. I don't believe, I don't believe it was a good letter. No. I think what happened was. He left a letter, and it was vicious, and the Biden camp was just like, we're going to tell everybody it was nice and just take Trump's steam out. Trump, Trump. And it was just like it was just like a caricature picture. He just drew like a Trump giving the fingers and says, fuck you. Like, <laughs> like, and they're just like, oh, it was such a beautiful letter. And Trump's like, that's not what I wrote. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it being pretty at all. He can't tweet about it. Be like, this is what I actually said. That's, that's scary, the, too. Yeah, again, not to get political, but the censorship thing it's fucked up what they what they proved just that the some of those companies are now more powerful than, than like the voice of the people and the voice of a government and mm-hmm. um that'll be interesting to see like where that goes cuz you know everything's kind of like tied together yeah as right. that becomes more unstable bitcoin becomes maybe bitcoin's going to save the world 
I think yeah, Bitcoin, Bitcoin could it's gonna create could stability. Very, if it one, doesn't go to zero, it will. The idea that that you know, I mean, during this last civil war, there was two different types of currency. Like the South had a currency, the North had a currency. You know, we have different different borders and states and things now. So why wouldn't Bitcoin potentially solve one of the you know problems for one of those two sides or schools of thought? Maybe Bitcoin doesn't need to be adapted by everyone. You Maybe think, the concern. What if what if the liberal liberal policies enacted just like this cancel culture thing goes even further and further, and banks just start going to be like, "Hey, hey, Colin, you can't bank with us anymore because we know you are." Republican. But it's going to do that self fulfilling like, prophecy. Colin's like right? totally cool with that. Yeah. I'm going to take my money out and go get some Bitcoin. And then Colin's going to tell all his conservative friends, hey, these banks just made me take my money out because they don't want to bank with us anymore because the way we do business. So, like, I'm going to go buy Bitcoin. And then one side's going to have Bitcoin and one side is not. So there's there's a, there's a couple people out there right now that are, like, so pro-maximalist Bitcoin that they only have Bitcoin. They have zero uh, fiat money at all. And they, they convince, like, they go and live in places for a couple months at a time. And they convince like the restaurants, the shop owner, the bartender guy to accept Bitcoin and they teach them about Bitcoin and then they can spend Bitcoin on everything for their family, going out to so dinner. If you're for a good enough salesperson, you can just roll around like, hey, like I'll yeah. give you a tenth of a Bitcoin. Here. It's yeah. like a, a you Bit- teach them about Bit- it. Bitcoin frontiersman. And dude, what's happening? It's it's a it's appreciating. <laughs> it's appreciating assets. So I, there's a podcast about the one guy who's doing that with his family. He's literally traveling the world in a Bitcoin van. And he's like right now he's in uh, Portugal and he's like living there. They they spent uh, Bitcoin on their monthly rental property um, that they're staying in, and then the restaurant down the street. He gave uh, the the guy who works there a bitcoin, like a couple bitcoin, or not a couple bitcoin, like fractions of bitcoins. And uh, when he came back a month later, the guy was like obsessed. He's taking Bitcoin now because it appreciated double. Right. So like now that guy's sold on Bitcoin. He's telling other bar owners and shit about it. And that's how it happens, man. Yeah. It's going to start slowly and just start spreading over time. Yeah. When you can start to pay for Bitcoin on a physical like store in a location, like like you're saying, like it's already happening. But when that starts to happen in America, mm-hmm. that threat, they're going to try to legislate against it. They're going to try to stop it. Yes. And any any government would try to stop it, just like trying to try to stop it. But that's going to be a self-fulfilling thing. It's like, all right, well, like if they're trying to stop this huge movement. You're canceled. Get off our yeah. platform. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, you're going to try and cancel us? They're, they're yeah. saying that actually you won't be able to convert your Bitcoin into fiat anymore. So you're stuck in Bitcoin. <laughs> like that's what they're, they're threatening people. They're like, yeah, you're not going to be able to use banks. And if banks know you're buying Bitcoin, you're locked out and you can't get money. See? I, Dude. I, well, I have a question. Hasn't about. happened yet, but they're saying that. Could Go, happen. Francis. Go raise your hand. If you're uh, <laughs> quantifying like Bitcoin as an investment, and like you're, uh, for example, developer, and you're, you know, making a fifty to a hundred percent on your money on an annual basis, how do you? I guess you just got to run the numbers at like what appreciation level you think Bitcoin's going to move, right? No, yeah, you have to no make a call. Knows. Yeah, you have to make a call at some point. Like, but I think it's just a. Uh, a diverse portfolio. And it sounds like if you oh. battery's dying. And we got a bird going. We got a bird loose. It, it, it almost sounds like you have to diversify and part of your portfolio has to be Bitcoin. Right. Right. Yeah. Like whether it's just a small amount, because even a small amount, even a fraction of a Bitcoin, if it goes to where they're saying it goes a long way. Right. Right. Will, will become enough that you can yeah, you know, do what you want. Playing footsies So there's so there's a strategy right now that every single person um should should take and it's called dollar cost averaging weekly 
So you decide amount uh, an amount of Bitcoin that you want to spend every week or amount into Bitcoin you want to spend. So for me, I do 500 bucks a week. Um, it directly comes out of my bank account, goes into my exchange, and I press buy every Monday. So no matter what, I'm getting more time in the market. I'm not timing the market. I'm not look, like I still yeah, buy on. You dips. can't like pick. Yeah. yeah, but but overall, I'm getting great average buy prices. So for you guys, you know, not really knowing much or like, you know, say you want to get into it. I suggest you start with an initial chunk that you're comfortable with throwing that in as like your, your bigger buy and then just set up weekly buys every single week, 25 bucks, 25 bucks. And now what happens if it 10 X is over time, that 25 bucks is worth what a thousand bucks like in the future. So, you know, you're gonna be happy you did it. It's a, it's a piggy bank. Yeah. I, I, I like that better than putting money into um, like stocks and shit. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a hundred percent out of the market. I've never been in the market and you're not going to find any stock that's going to outperform Bitcoin. And that has outperformed perform Bitcoin in the past 10 years. It's the highest performing asset of all time. Tesla's got to be close though. Close. But, but he's definitely sending Bitcoin to the space. Like you want to rent a satellite, put your Bitcoin in it's up there. As soon as Elon converts Bitcoin uh, to his balance sheet, like this other guy, Michael Saylor, he's a billionaire, owns a tech company called MicroStrategy. And he did the biggest move of all time um, for corporate CEOs with Bitcoin. He converted his, his corporate treasury, all of his cash, $500 million dollars, into Bitcoin. And he's already 3X'd his company over the past two months. So instead of having a 500 million cash reserves, he has 1.5 billion or I think even like 2 billion right now. And all of his investors thought he was fucking crazy. And now he's having a, a meeting tonight, you know, a corporate uh, quarterly meeting and everyone is praising him. And now he's giving this game plan to Elon Musk. They literally were t on Twitter <laughs> tweeting back and forth. And he's like, I will show you my game plan on how I 3X my company and how you should too. So now billionaires know this Michael Saylor guy. They're trying to buy all the Bitcoin. They understand, okay, this guy has a playbook and look what the fuck his company just did. It's just 3X. How the fuck did he do that in three months? That was 500 mil that's taken him three years to make. He just 3X'd it. And now they're all, you know, buying into this plan and he's going to be a first mover on the corporate side to get all these other companies to invest their corporate treasuries in the Bitcoin. Because he was losing to inflation, dude. He was losing 20% of that 500 mil every single year due to inflation. And now he's, a, he's beat the curve. It's well, not wow. a melting ice cube anymore. Dang. Dang. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> dude this has been great yeah no this was good I, I feel like we just leave it there yeah I don't, like know, I don't know how many money. I don't know how much more value we want to give away my brain my brain cannot take anymore yeah, like, yeah that's what I was saying like most people are either their brains are either mush right now <laughs> or they're on their computer or they're on their computer and like, buy you, Bitcoin. Go, you better yeah, be going to pay Colin let's go let's go buy some Bitcoin right now. Yeah, yeah, so how do we how do we find you guys Francis how do we find you Instagram at Francis Megawatt uh, Colin Yerkeson on Instagram. Maybe you guys need to, uh, we'll put it, we'll put it in the link below or something. Like we'll put it in the description or whatever. And if you want value on Bitcoin, I created a YouTube not too long ago. <laughs> I come out with three videos a week on credit, Bitcoin and entrepreneurship. So go check it out. Beautiful. And what's your YouTube? We'll throw that Same link. name, Colin Yerkeson. I have Twitter too. All Bitcoin on Twitter. So everyone I follow is everyone that I've learned from. So if you literally just go and follow everyone I follow on Twitter, You'll know pretty much everything I know. Expert of Bitcoin. Yep. Well, dude, thanks, guys. Yeah, dude, that that was awesome. You definitely didn't didn't disappoint. Um, I know you guys took this. I mean, Francis knows the game with us, but I know you took this with like I don't know what the hell these dudes are up to or what they're about. So I appreciate you giving us a shot, dude. Absolutely. Um, dude, had a great time today. 
If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at uh, After Five Life. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash Outex Revival. And then uh, keep telling your friends. We see the show growing week to week, so we know you guys are doing it. But if you could take it a step further and um, just hit that subscribe button, that'll help our analytics out a lot. So do it. (laughs) Ha ha ha.